Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Money Coots, created by Offscript. So I just had my second scan, which was pretty straightforward. I completely forgot they also do blood tests to check where my estrogen's at. I've got three follicles that are good, three that are getting there, just slightly smaller than that, and then a few smaller ones. Kind of want, you know, more follicles than just like three big ones. I know it's really early days. I mean, this is classic me, as I'm the most impatient person in the world. As a little treat, I've just gone to the Kings Road Pret because it's not far from the Lister and I've bought a decaf coffee, which I'm gonna have with my favorite breakfast sandwich of all time, which is Pret's egg and sun-dried tomato baguette, which is the very best. So that is my reward for my blood test. A bit like a kid who gets given a lollipop when they've been to the dentist. That's my equivalent. Hello, I'm Sophia Money Coots. I'm 35, single, and I'm freezing my eggs. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women who've gone through the treatment themselves. If this is the first episode you're listening to, it might be worth going back to episode one and listening from there, so you can follow my egg freezing journey as it happened. In this episode, I have a few ups and downs as I struggle with the hormone injections and their side effects. I also get a reality check from two women who froze their eggs and sadly didn't end up with babies from them. As you heard at the top of the episode, my second scan showed my follicles were growing well. But although I was pleased with this, I was also worrying about the headaches I'd been experiencing and struggling to find information about them online. I've had quite bad headaches in the past few days. I should be drinking more water. I'm so crap at drinking water. I will drink more water today. And I read on all the millions of panicky IVF forums I've been on that you're not really supposed to take ibuprofen. But again, it was yet another example of I was trying to find out what the rules were for women who were egg freezing not having IVF and therefore not aiming to get pregnant in a couple of weeks, which if I was doing IVF, that's, you know, that's what I'd be hoping for. And there was really little out there about women who are egg freezing. It was mostly information for women who are going through IVF and it can make you feel a bit lonely. You look up all these forums and it's, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're on day six of whatever, because, you know, presumably they're in a couple. And I know obviously what the women who are having IVF are going through is horrendous and they feel like crap as well and, and they have it worse. They have to take massive progesterone injections after their egg collection, which those of us who are having egg freezing don't have to do. But there is just something, um, yeah, it can feel a bit sort of tragic, I suppose, the fact that the women who are having egg freezing are, you know, probably going through this on their own. There isn't a we. Um, anyway, stop being self-pitying fire. It's all fine. I can take <laughs> paracetamol and ibuprofen if I like for my headaches. So uh, that is good, but mostly I just must drink more water. The next day, that feeling of loneliness hit me again while doing my nightly injection. It can just feel a bit tragic sometimes sitting in my room at nine o'clock every night, getting out the needles, getting out the drugs and then injecting myself and then just going to bed 
Um, so yeah, I'm a bit blue today. Okay. Um, there's actually no, my friends who've had this before said their stomach looked like a pincushion, but I actually haven't got a mark at all from the injection. So that's a good thing. I'm going to do it a bit lower and try and find a space where the needle just goes straight in this time because it's getting quite boring having to stab myself in multiple areas. Okay, let's try down here. Very low in the stomach. Oh, nope, I don't want to go in there. Great, okay. Come on. I hope it's not going to go in there either. I don't know if I'm pushing less hard or something. Okay, come on. Oh my god, I'm running out of places. Oh, I just can't find anywhere. Fuck. <laughs> come on. I won't go in. Oh, this is really pathetic. Come on. Okay, okay. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, there we go. Finally. I'm still not sure why I was having such a hard time sticking the needle in. It felt pretty easy the first few times, like sliding a knife into butter that's been out of the fridge for too long. So why was it reducing me to tears a week in? When I asked a nurse at the Lister about this, she suggested it was because my abs were too rock hard, which made me literally bark with laughter. My stomach has never been rock hard in its life, sadly. Maybe it was just a bit tender from a week of injections and I wasn't pushing hard enough. Either way, it made me feel pretty low at this stage. The next day, I woke up bright and early to head to the Lister for yet another scan to check my progress. So that is very exciting. I've just had another scan and they say there are 12 follicles looking good on my right ovary and eight on my left ovary, which look good. So um, yeah, that's pretty exciting. I'm of course trying to tell myself that it does not mean that I will have 20 eggs, but, um, but yeah, I feel like 10 is therefore a reasonable hope. And Kerry, the lovely nurse said that she also thinks that it'll be good for the operation a week today. <laughs> she also said that, because I still feel really not very bloated. I mean, I really haven't got a flat stomach, but um, she said that it's short people apparently who struggle. There's less of their torso, I guess, to, there's less space and we've all got the same size ovaries. So they bloat up, whereas giants like me don't, which is music to my ears because for my whole life, I have been a giant who had to wear boys' school shoes and always had to be the man in the school play, as I told Kerry. And finally, finally, um, it's, it looks like there's an advantage to being tall when it comes to egg freezing. Who knew? You wouldn't know that this was less than 12 hours after the injections had me in tears in my bedroom, would you? What a roller coaster! Although I was tempting fate by bragging about my height the next day I became super bloated. It was a bit like having trapped wind. So just to reiterate, for those in any doubt, having your eggs frozen is not a sexy experience. Having bombarded her with updates each day on voice notes, I checked in with producer Hannah to have a Tuesday afternoon catch up about my progress and some new side effects. 
So, yeah, I just had this sort of self-pitying blue moment on Sunday of that all feeling a bit emotional and a bit much, but probably also because it was Sunday and I hate Sunday evenings. Um, Otherwise, I've kind of been fine. I actually am quite excited about seeing how many eggs I get and so on. Yeah. I suspect if I had less good, I'd had less good scans and things weren't looking, you know, that good, I might be more depressed about the whole thing and think, well, why am I putting myself through this for one or two eggs anyway? Yeah, why bother? And you've got another scan yeah. tomorrow and then one on Friday, is that right? Another, yeah, a scan tomorrow at nine and then another scan on Friday at nine. And then I'll pick up on Friday the trigger injection, which is all being well on Saturday night. I mean, what a wild Saturday night this is going to be. I will inject myself with a trigger injection, which I think is a bigger needle. Blah. And that's um, that's the drugs that then tell my ovaries to start releasing the eggs yeah, and so, that's Saturday night, is it? But the operation would be Monday. Yeah, you do it 36 hours before oh, the operation. Okay. So I'll do that Saturday night for Monday morning. And then Monday, basically, Dr. James. <laughs> Date with Dr. James, yeah. Saying Dr. James, yeah, I have to, you know, shave my bikini line. I was genuinely thinking earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I need to shave my legs, shave my bikini line, shave my underarms. I don't know why he'd be going up there, <laughs> but, you know, you never know. I kept myself basically operation ready. Why not? It's an important day, you know. <laughs> well, it's the most naked I would have got with anyone for a really long time. So <laughs> I might as well sort of, you know, make myself look nice for it. <laughs> I tell you the other thing that actually has occurred to me in recent days. So what I'm taking at the moment, right, is giving me estrogen, which is the perky hormone that we make before we, as we lead up to ovulation, and I have definitely been walking around the parks of South London noticing men more. I just, <laughs> really? Yeah, in a way that, see, I went for a walk with my sister yesterday and she was talking to me about something. But I just wasn't listening because I could see three, and actually they were, they were clearly dads because they were three guys out with like young toddlers. And I just, they were quite hot dads. And I remember just completely ignoring my sister, whatever she was saying, and just sort of staring at these guys. And actually normally I'm quite shy about, I kind of sort of can't flirt to save my life. And I'm quite shy about you know, checking out guys in the street or in a bar or in a restaurant. And um, yeah, and I've just really noticed it's very, it's very unlike me to be sort of actively like head swiveling and and checking out guys (laughs) in a way that guys do to women. Do you know what I mean? So that's, it's been quite, it's been quite fun in a way because I'm suddenly like, oh, hi, hi, hi. Obviously not going and talking to anyone. But yeah, that's been, that's been quite interesting. What are you expecting will happen tomorrow? So tomorrow it's number three scan. I would like to see more of the same, really. Just I feel like my left ovary is my lazy ovary. It's sluggish. <laughs> the one on the right is excellent. A star. It's got 12 follicles. The one on the left has only eight follicles. So I I wouldn't mind if the left ovary perked up a bit um, and caught its sibling up. But otherwise, yeah, just more of the same. Hopefully all the follicles are looking good and, yeah, then ready for, for next week. So... Despite blowing up like a water balloon, in the lead up to my third scan, I was feeling very enthusiastic about how freezing was going. Although I was still trying to keep in mind the fact that even if I did get lots of eggs, as all good doctors should tell you during this process, that was still no guarantee of a baby. The success rates of egg freezing are much debated. And when I decided to make this podcast, I knew I needed to talk to women who froze their eggs and didn't get a baby from them. And that's how I came across Sally Nabanja, a 40-year-old doctor from London. Uh, no, I just have to apologise. Um, there's some chickens in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love that. And uh, a few other things I can't uh, regulate, so... Anyway. No. 
When we spoke over Zoom, she was in lockdown with her family in Uganda. As well as the cockerel, you might hear some building work in the background of her call. So um, I was aware um, mm-hmm. that after 35, there's this decline in fertility and quality of eggs and other complications as well, like fibroids and things like mm. that. So I thought, okay, the only thing I can do anything about is the eggs. So shortly after I turned 34, I went to see a GP and he pretty much laughed at me and said, oh, just stop being so picky and just meet <laughs> someone nice. <laughs> so mean. So, I know, but um, but I hear I'm not the only one. Yeah. So then I spoke to a friend who works in fertility medicine, and um, and he said, oh, no, it's definitely worth um, freezing your eggs. It's not that expensive. Um, at least come and have a consultation and see. You might actually have a very simple course as opposed to having the forced menopause and you know the more complicated journey. Mm-hmm. So yes, I. I Went, I booked an appointment and I went to see um, a fertility doctor. And it was a bit tricky for them because I hadn't been trying to get pregnant. I had no idea if I had any problems. Um, I actually didn't know much about my gynecological history because it yeah, hadn't okay. been an issue. When they did the first initial scan to decide how they were going to do it, he noticed that I had lots of follicles and lots of cysts. So he said, oh, it looks like you've got polycystic ovaries. In case you don't know, the three main features of PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome are irregular periods, high levels of hormones that can cause extra body hair and extra follicles on your ovaries. According to the NHS website, with treatment, most women with PCOS are able to get pregnant but more than half of women diagnosed with the syndrome don't have symptoms. That was the case with Sally, who had never suspected she might have polycystic ovaries. And did that freak you out at the time? Did that give you sort of more of a sense of urgency about it or not? No, I didn't. I wasn't worried at all um, because I was already starting the process. Mm. I, I didn't even look into whether it would affect my fertility in the long term. Okay. So yes, yeah, so I just went ahead. Um, he had warned me that I could get ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he wanted to do was work with my natural cycle and just okay. um, stimulate me to produce more eggs at a time when I would normally produce eggs as opposed to creating an artificial ovulation. Oh, right. So does that mean were you on sort of lower doses of drugs then? Uh, yes. Yeah. Ha. Huh. Okay. Yeah, so it was really good in the beginning. I used to go in for the regular scans and they'd count how many follicles were growing and what size they were. And, you know, I felt I felt really good. Um, then it was a friend who took me for the egg retrieval. Um, okay. And I went back home to her place. I uh, felt fine. And they called to say that they'd harvested 27 eggs. Um, wow. But 22 were of good quality. And I, okay. I was really thrilled with that. Yeah, did you have a number in mind before you started or you were just sort of keeping fingers crossed for as many as possible? Obviously, we all do that, but I just wondered if you had a figure. The friend who I'd spoken to who told me to go and see if I could do it privately had said, try to get more than 12. I wasn't yeah. a very optimistic person. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it seemed like a big number. 12 seemed like a big number for me. Yeah. Um, he said, if you don't get more than 12, then ask for a second round. And was he a fertility expert or gynaecologist? Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's a doctor working in fertility medicine, but he was working on his PhD at the time, so he wasn't doing a lot of clinical stuff. Okay. So he was just advising me. It's, I only ask because I suppose he 
there's that magic number of 20 right that everyone talks about which mm-hmm. is that thing i think that any woman going through it we sort of have in our heads like that's the number that we want um okay so you got 22 and that was in one round yes 22 eggs is a lot of eggs to get from one round so sally was understandably pretty pleased and a few years later she decided it was time to thaw them you left it i might get my maths wrong here is it three years before you then decided you wanted to use those eggs Yes. Well, about four years, yeah. So I was 34 when I had them harvested and I was 38 when I went to see about using them. Okay, and what happened then? So at the time, I didn't have a partner, but I felt like I was ready to become a mother. So I said I went to have a consultation and explained that I wanted to use donor sperm to um, conceive. They said, okay, that's fine. We'll defrost your eggs and we'll fertilize them and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And because I had 22 and I still felt that maybe I might meet someone and maybe I might want to use the eggs, I decided to defrost half of them first. Okay and fertilize those and see how many embryos I got from those. And then if I was unsuccessful, um, defrost the rest. So we did that. They all mm-hmm. defrosted nicely. They survived the defrosting. Um, I'd ordered some sperm from Denmark uh, so mm-hmm. that had arrived and they mixed it all in a Petri dish. And I think about nine fertilized. And then what they do is they watch them develop into little embryos and only mm-hmm. the good quality embryos are kept or transferred. So at the end of the fifth day, I had two iffy embryos. They weren't okay. that great quality. Yeah. But they'd already prepped my uterus. By the way, when they prepare your uterus to receive an embryo, they give you medication to thicken the lining and essentially make your womb as welcoming as possible. So, so I said, well, since I've done all of this, um, let's see if they take. So they transferred those two embryos, mm-hmm. um, but it, it wasn't successful. I didn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't explain to me what had happened, that I'd had these 11 and I couldn't get a single embryo from the 11. They didn't think it was the quality of the sperm because so many of them had fertilized. So mm. they said because the problem was been in the growth phase, um they're not entirely sure but they suspected it was the eggs but they said let's try again with a different sperm donor and eliminate that aspect of the sperm mm-hmm. so i had to buy another sample i had extra vials sitting there but oh, i had to pick another donor it's expensive all this you know the thawing and the ivf drugs and the sperm and the uh, yeah Yeah, and that's one of my issues with the whole process. No one gives you an overall cost. You get the cost Mm. of each step. And because you've Mm -hmm. come so far, you just have to keep going. Right. It's like once you're in for £10,000, what's another, you know, five? I can see how it, it, it all adds up. And before you know it, you know, you spent a fortune. So, so we defrosted another, the other 11, the remaining 11. They used a different donor. Again, they all survived the defrosting. Um, this time 10 fertilized. But again, as they grew the, the first five days, only one managed to form what they'd even consider an embryo and it was what they graded they would they I really had to batter them for uh, quality grading of the embryo because mm. I'd read about it in all these forums but they just really avoided doing it in this clinic I don't know why and they it was uh, 4c was what they graded it which was not a great Okay. Um, not good quality, but... Right, so that was the only one. Yeah. So I, I, I opted not to use that one in the end. Um, oh, I see. So you could have chosen to 
be sort of implanted or inseminated. No, not inseminated. Implanted, is that the right word? With the embryo? Yeah. But because it wasn't OIC, because it could have been complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I hadn't, this time, the second time around, I hadn't had my uterus prepped. I said, let's just see if it is the sperm or the eggs. And then if we get a good embryo, we'll freeze it. Um, If we don't, then I'll go for the process again. Oh, I see. And try and get some more eggs. Right, so at that point, hugely disappointing and, and saddening, right? That you ha- you th- mm. you'd had these 22 eggs and 22, you know, is above the number that we we're all told that we need to freeze and yet not an embryo. I mean, yes, how did you feel? Oh, I was, I was really annoyed because on many of the IVF groups, people would get six eggs, and but they'd still get two or three embryos out of it, mm. you know? Um, and so... I just felt that I'd been given this false hope for four years that I had these eggs stored and, you know, I could do what I wanted mm. and be as picky as I wanted and, you know, right. you know take all the adventures. You've got loads in the freezer, all good. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted. Yeah. But, um, but I'm, I was also glad that I was finding this out now. I mean, I was 38. It wasn't mm-hmm. too late. I was still producing eggs. I would have been devastated if I was a lot older and found out that the eggs were of poor quality. That phrase Sally uses, that she'd been given this false hope, is very sobering. It's unclear if her polycystic ovaries had anything to do with the fact that her eggs didn't successfully fertilise, but there is evidence to suggest it could have been the case. Another thing that's not very talked about in this industry or when it comes to egg freezing and numbers of eggs, that women with PCOS, potentially the quality, you can get a lot of eggs, but the quality is potentially lower. Is that true? Yes, so I found all this out later when they were saying, okay, we could probably do another IVF cycle and harvest some more eggs. And they said, we'll do it differently this time. Now that we know you've got PCOS, we could use different drugs, we could use a different regime um, to improve the quality of the eggs. And I was, yeah, I was a bit disappointed that the doctor had identified I had um, polycystic ovaries at my first consultation when I started this journey, but he never considered that he would have to do anything different um, in order to get good quality eggs. He just proceeded as normal. I never told you of that risk, right? No. And maybe I had given him this false impression that I didn't have the syndrome because I, I wasn't obese and I didn't have lots of body hair or acne but that's his field and I really think he should have sat me down and said there's a risk that the eggs you produce aren't good quality would you like to go on a different protocol that is more suited to someone with polycystic ovaries or even do a hormone profile to see if I had high levels of androgens yeah I'd always heard that for women with polycystic ovaries or PCOS egg freezing was one of the it was great for them because you would get, mm. you know, high numbers of eggs. But I just, again, I think that's something that's not, you know, in any, any of the open evenings that I went to or the research that I've done, I haven't come across that. So, yeah, I just think that's something else that women should be sort of more informed about, more told about, really. Yeah, there's so much emphasis on the number as opposed yeah. to the quality. Yeah. Mm. And there's no way of telling the quality is there until, until you come to fertilise them. Yes, yeah, that's what I've been told, that it's only when the embryos form that you see if the eggs are good quality. So would you, looking back, would you recommend that more women think about freezing embryos than eggs or not? Definitely. If I had to do it again, if I could speak to my 34-year-old self, I would say 
fertilize them and freeze them. Mm-hmm. Uh, freeze mm-hmm. the embryos, don't freeze eggs. You could do half and half in a way, half eggs, yeah. half. Yeah, you could do half and half, yeah. Yeah. But I think the embryos are just the only way we have now of knowing that your eggs are good quality. Mm. Um, and you don't want to mm. spend all that time and money and not have good quality eggs or just live in false hope. One of the biggest benefits of freezing embryos rather than eggs is that you find out much sooner whether your eggs were fertilised or not. It's a huge question, which I'm going to follow up on in more detail in the next episode. So after this disappointment, Sally went back to her doctor, who suggested she try an IUI, or intrauterine insemination, where sperm is injected straight into the uterus to find its way to the egg, which makes it almost the same as natural conception, except no actual penis involved. Yeah, so in that time when I was saving up for another round, I spoke to the clinic again and I'd said how disappointed I was that the eggs were of poor quality. Just a, It was just like a touch base session it was really he was okay. a really lovely doctor and he just said look come in and let's talk about it before you plan your next steps and that's when he said well why don't you think about just doing an IUI um, unmedicated you know it's not going to mm. be expensive and you're not going to have to go through all the drugs and everything and um, it's not back and forth appointments like yeah um, they harvesting um, because I'd been missing from work so much because it's so hard to plan to be off yeah. You know, every third day and you don't know how long you're going to be there and traffic and yeah so um, quite apart so, from the sort of hormonal ups and downs yeah yeah so I had the session with him just to touch base and he suggested doing an IUI um, and um, that's what I tried and got pregnant Hurrah! and and that was the baby that is, is your son yes yeah oh very oh, well I'm glad a happy ending a happy ending indeed Sally's son has just turned one and they're back in the UK together. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Alice Mann has a story which starts in a very similar way to Sally's, and to mine. She was in her mid-30s when a serious relationship broke down, and she started to think about freezing. When I decided to do it, it felt like the opportunity to do something positive when everything else seemed Mm. really quite negative. And I, you know, that was really the thing that 
kind of drove me forward with it because I'm not used to sitting around and having crap stuff happen to me and you know just accepting it I'm not really a person who's kind of sits and wallows and lets life happen I would rather kind of go and do something positive and this felt like a positive thing to do even if I knew that it came with no guarantees. Like Sally and me Alice decided egg freezing was a positive and practical choice for her given her situation. This was back in 2014 and Alice didn't want to tell her parents or most of her friends. Instead she started a very brilliant blog called Egg Don, where she shared her journey under a pseudonym. I am totally up for admitting that at the time that I was doing it, I felt huge amounts of shame about it. At the time, I felt like I was doing it because there was something wrong with me. Like, how else did I explain that all of my friends, almost without exception, seemed to be in relationships and having children? And I was on my own. And I Mm. just felt like egg freezing was this admission that I hadn't managed to find a man and do things in the conventional way. A failure, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it felt like the right thing to do was just to like do it anonymously. And I'm glad I did because I feel like I've been able to be so much more honest than I might have been if I had done it under my own name. Alice got four eggs from her first cycle and chose to do two more. Did you know when you started your first cycle that you would have three? Did you have any expectations about how many rounds you'd have to go through? Yeah, I think I made the decision about three. And it's so funny because like throughout this entire process, you always you have these magic numbers in your mind. You have like, you know, oh, I want my hormones levels to be at this. And I want, you know, (laughs) if I can get X number of eggs and if I get, you know, these kind of crazy percentages that kind of don't really mean anything unless they're like, about you but no I mean I think I had read that most women get pregnant if they're using IVF within three cycles and that seemed like an appropriate number of cycles to do both kind of financially and kind of in terms of the amount of my life that I wanted to invest in it and Mm. one that seemed kind of like practically like it would give me good options. And how long a time period were those three cycles then spread over? Um, I think it was, it must have been about six months. So I pretty much did them as back to back as you could. This seems superhuman doing three cycles back to back, given that I've been weeping my way through just one. And what was particularly interesting for me, given I was speaking to her in the middle of all my side effects, was how Alice's cycles differed from each other. So you did three rounds at a total cost of £14,000, right? Yeah. And each round, again, having gone back through your blog, sounds like they were all quite different experiences they were and I think the thing that's really interesting and I think the thing that I talk about a little bit on there is that the side effects such as they were did not seem to relate to the amount of medicine that I was taking I think they related far more to my state of mind because that first cycle I was a total mess I was in floods of tears most of the time um and I kind of put it down to (laughs) but I think you it sounds like you have a far more positive frame of mind about it than I did like you know I was not telling very many people about it. Um, And I wasn't, I wasn't pleased with myself. I wasn't proud of what I was doing. I wasn't, I I hadn't got to the point yet where I felt it was a positive step. It felt like something I'd Mm -hmm. been forced into. And also, of course, it was all new, like, you know, learning to inject yourself for the first time and learn, you know, all of those sorts of things. 
But then by the time I was on the third cycle and the doses of hormones that I was on was about three times what I'd been on in the early days of the first cycle. Why did they do that? Did you did your body need, because you'd had two previous cycles, did you therefore need a bigger kick up the ass? I think they knew it was my third cycle and they were like, we'll just throw everything at you. Oh, right. We're just going to turbocharge it. <laughs> but I think because they knew that I hadn't had any terrible reaction to higher levels previously. Um, and I think, you know, they're always going to be relatively conservative to start with because they are concerned about ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and those sorts of things so but yeah by that point I mean not only was I totally accomplished about hiding frozen peas and needles in the bottom of my handbag and like shooting up in public loos and stuff like that um and you know at weddings and not drinking at weddings and stuff like that I know your best friend's wedding right yeah I went along with a bag of frozen peas and the hormones that I had to inject kind of concealed in the bottom of my bag your clutch bag (laughs) bag. a very small bag of peas exactly (laughs) um and then you know at some point during the dancing at 10 o'clock or whatever whatever the time it was that I've been kind of given that I had to do my injections I disappeared off to the loos um injected myself and then uh, came back and carried on dancing. Wow. I mean, I love that. That is amazing. I have to say, a little bit of me suspects I've had it easier going through treatment and lockdown. Not having any weddings to be invited to means no packets of frozen peas in the loos. Although I suppose I could have flung peas at the new couple like confetti. That might have been quite enjoyable. Okay, so cut to four years later to when you want to use your eggs. So you've you've got 14 eggs in the freezer, right? Yeah. You were still single, right? Yes, exactly. I'd had, you know, a couple of things that I thought might have turned into something and kind Mm -hmm. of, yeah, ended up not being what I thought they were going to be. And I just thought I need to make a decision about this. Like it was important enough to me three, four years ago that I was going to freeze my eggs. Like those things are still sitting there. They did for a while take off the pressure a little bit. But for whatever reason, I still wasn't in a relationship. I still couldn't see myself like becoming a mother in a conventional sense and so um yeah I decided I was going to find an anonymous sperm donor and defrost my eggs mm-hmm. fertilize them and try to get pregnant so the first round of IVF you go for you is it you you fertilize the first seven eggs so yeah they defrosted them into sets of seven so um from yeah. the first seven I think six defrosted successfully um because there is some sort of dropout when you have frozen eggs and then defrost them and then, oh God, I'm now, yeah, I can't remember the de- exact no, details. sorry, I'm testing you. Um, but sorry. basically from six that had uh, successfully defrosted, I feel like four or five of them uh, were successfully fertilised. And then they leave them for a certain number of days and depending on which clinic you're with or kind of like which protocol you're following depends on how many days they'll leave them for but basically at the end of the kind of suggested period of time they only had one embryo from those seven that they thought was going to be uh, good enough to transfer so they transferred that one back into me and unfortunately Mm. I didn't get pregnant um, after that. But on your blog, you write that you still felt fairly positive at that stage, yeah, right? Because you thought, well, I've I mean, still got seven I eggs left. I thought I had seven eggs left. I was, I have to say, I was disappointed that the yield from, you know, four, seven eggs was only one embryo that was good enough to transfer. But, you know, I did that whole thing about whoever gets pregnant on their first cycle of IVF and yeah. you know I've got another seven eggs left and you know it was kind of borderline with some of the others that didn't make it to the right stage so hopefully I'll get another two and then you know that's essentially one embryo for each of the three cycles of egg freezing that I've done surely one of them will work and then they defrosted the final seven and 
I think five of them defrosted successfully and only two of them fertilised, but neither of them had fertilised normally. And that was probably, I still can't really talk about it, one of the most devastating things that had happened because I just felt like it was so unfair. You know, Mm -hmm. I tried so hard to make sure that I wouldn't get to a situation where I was 40 and trying to conceive using my own eggs. And it just felt really crap that having done, you know, those three cycles, having spent that much money, having gone through the heartache of trying to find a donor, which is, I mean, again, I'm not going to go into it here because it was like four massive <laughs> That's blog a separate posts. Podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just felt so unfair that I felt like I was back to square one and that everything that I'd been through had been for nothing. And I have to say, that's not how I feel now. That was how I felt very much at the time course completely sort of gutted and devastated and I can imagine sort of feeling how unfair it was when all around you are your friends babies Mm -hmm. and children and yeah no totally when the clinic called you to tell you that the second batch of seven eggs weren't going to work how did they break that news to you was that sensitively done I mean how sensitive can it be like it's factual isn't it you know like I think one of the things and I have sort of spoken to clinics about the way in which they do this in the future is that actually because of the way it worked back then like sometimes you get a call from an embryologist sometimes you get a call from a nurse sometimes you get a call from I don't know a consultant if they needed to talk to you sometimes it would just be admin staff and what Mm. I think would really be valuable would be like a patient liaison person so that you were allocated one person who was your point of contact like you could call them and they would be the ones who would build up a relationship with you and so when something really crap happens you at least you're not having a conversation with someone who you've never spoken to before yeah and so yeah I mean it was really hard she just phoned up and said like oh you know as you know we fertilized your eggs and only two of them fertilise and I'm really sorry but neither and I just remember saying I've got nothing like really I've got nothing after all that um and you know of course they say this like I'm sure they are sorry they don't want you to be miserable and upset you know they want successes but yeah it like I don't I don't know really what you can do like bad mm-hmm. news is bad news it's got to be told some way and like I kind of feel it's a bit like ripping off a plaster you you know every single second that you're on the phone feels like an absolute millennium when you're waiting for them to say the numbers the whatever um and so yeah just saying it and getting it over and done with since then Alice has met a lovely boyfriend and did three rounds of IVF using her own eggs which sadly were unsuccessful and have you got to the point now, I mean, this is an even more personal question, are you going to try and continue or are you just sort of seeing what happens? So, yeah, I mean, this is on my blog, so it's not a big secret. Um, I took some time off because I just, it was a bit exhausting, everything being about, like, not drinking and whether you're going to be able to have a child and all those sorts of things. So I took some time off after we'd first met and then we decided, you know, we were going to try naturally to try and conceive Mm -hmm. and when that didn't work Mm -hmm. out um towards the end of last year we did um a cycle of IVF which is my first cycle of IVF in a relationship which in a lot of ways was a lot harder than doing it on my own um was it why um I've written on my blog about how the first time that I found out that I wasn't pregnant although I was devastated I was so glad I only had my emotions to deal with and I didn't have to worry about 
anyone else in like quite not a selfish way but I didn't feel like Mm. my responsibility was to anyone else and when you're with someone and you know that they want to have children as well then it sort of feels like a responsibility especially when you know having been through everything I've been through I feel like the likelihood of us not being able to have children is probably down to my end rather than his as it were so um so it's added pressure yeah and I think also it was very difficult for him because I was so blase well not blase about it but I'm used to injecting myself and I'd kind of forgotten how weird it must be to see someone you love doing those sorts of things and seeing what they have to go through so so from that point of view it was quite difficult and yeah it wasn't successful and we are now talking about maybe using donor eggs um if we do another cycle Mm -hmm. just on the advice of the clinic because you're now sorry again deeply personal question how old are you now i'm 43 okay and i just kind of think you know when we went to see the consultant for the um conversation after like our last cycle she was quite clear on what the likelihood was of successful conception and also not just that but like carrying a baby to term um and a healthy baby to term so yeah I've mentioned before that there are a lot of dropout stages in fertility treatment and this really brings it home. I was in awe of how openly and honestly Alice talked about her whole experience. But before we ended our call, I wanted to ask her about the eggs versus embryos question and whether she felt the same way as Sally about freezing embryos. So I don't think necessarily that the eggs that I froze in 2014 would necessarily have got me pregnant if I'd frozen them as embryos because I'm not sure they would have got to that stage. But what that procedure would have done would have made me realise that actually my fertility was not as good as the fact that I'd managed to harvest 14 eggs had made it look. It gave you a sort of false sense of security in a way. Yeah, I guess I think the thing is that, as I say, if you don't know what you're freezing, you assume that you're freezing 14 great quality eggs. Um, Mm, And so I think if I had gone further down the road of trying to fertilise them, of trying to create embryos, then I think what would have happened would have, it would probably have been a wake up call. I'm not sure I would have waited until I was 40 to try to get pregnant on my own if I had known earlier that my eggs were not great quality. But that's what I find so amazing is that you have written since on your blog that you don't regret anything and you wouldn't make any different choices. Why is that? I think the thing is that because I made the decision to freeze my eggs, I never have to wonder Mm. whether life would have been different if I'd frozen my eggs. And like those not knowing things are the things that haunt me. I'm, you know... That niggle away. Yeah, Mm. it's that whole cliche about regretting the things that you haven't done rather than the things that you've done. And Mm. I don't know if that's always true, but certainly from this point of view... I made the decisions that I made at the time based on the information that I had at the time and that makes them by default the right decisions. And mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm just never in a situation where I think if only I'd frozen my eggs, it might have been different. For me, like Alice, this is what it all boils down to. The fear of looking back and thinking, what if? Say I was trying to get pregnant naturally in a few years but couldn't and didn't have any eggs in the freezer. I might kick myself, knowing that I could have afforded to do it now. I think that would be quite a painful regret. At the end of our call, Alice offered some good rallying advice. My top bit of advice would just be, like, really nice to yourself because it's, like, such a difficult process to go through. And it's so... 
I don't think I've ever really acknowledged kind of how emotionally and physically exhausting it can be because I'm absolutely the sort of person that was like okay well let's pick ourselves up and go on to the next thing and on to the next thing and on to the next thing and it's a big deal and I found it easier to underplay how much of a big deal it was. I think that's very British isn't it it's that sort of hateful expression but it's the keep calm carry on sort of mentality a bit. But also like trust yourself and trust your gut because I don't think there are wrong decisions. I Like I was saying, I think we make the decisions that we make at the time that we make them based on the best available information that we have. And I don't see the value in saying, oh, with hindsight, I would have done X, Y and Z. I think you will make the right decisions for you. And I think a lot of women in every situation have difficulty trusting themselves that that's the case. But I really <laughs> think it is. Yeah, throughout life. Oh, well, I think that's quite a good note to end on. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alice. You are so welcome. I'm massively grateful to Alice and Sally for talking to me about what were very difficult challenges in their lives. As I'm learning, the time, energy and emotion, not to mention money put into each freezing round, is dizzying. And the idea that it may all come to nothing and you wouldn't find out until too late is really bleak. And yet, despite knowing this... I was still feeling almost high because after yet another scan, my follicle count remained perky. On Monday, I had uh, 20 follicles. Today, I've got not 20, not 21, not 22, not 23, not 24, not 25, but 26 follicles apparently growing, which Carrie, the lovely nurse, told me uh, and said was good. So that is very exciting. She thinks I might get sort of around 15 eggs, which is great and a lot more than I'd anticipated. And obviously I've still got to bear in mind that, you know, could be completely wrong and come Monday when the operation is, um, things could be very different. But that was another good trip to the hospital. Um, Just had to fork out another 150 quid though for more Menopure because I'm running low on it, which I think means that I've now spent over a thousand pounds on drugs not fun drugs either (laughs) so yeah so that's quite a lot of money on top of the whatever it is three and a bit grand that I'm going to have to spend on the scan etc anyway all for a good outcome hopefully in the end and worth it just wanted to add mostly for the benefit of my mum who might be listening obviously I was joking about the fun drugs bit Little joke, no need to panic. In next week's episode, I finish my course of hormone injections and brace myself dun, 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 for the trigger injection, which would release my eggs ready for my operation. I also take a closer look at the question of freezing embryos instead of eggs and how much difference this really makes when it comes to having a baby. It makes me happy to feel like it's some kind of investment and some kind of future. I would say that if you are very emotional attached to your sperm, you shouldn't donate. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Money-Coots and created by Offscript. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 